Last season, we discussed the broader topic of creating digital content. This week on the podcast, we're doing a deeper dive into eBooks, our experience with writing and releasing them, the tools you need to write your own eBook, and best practices for marketing and selling your book. Let's get started. Welcome to the Ladybug Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Sydney. I'm Allie. And I'm Emma, and we're debugging the tech industry. Something we often discuss on the podcast is productivity. One tool that helps thousands of web developers and designers do more every day is GoDaddy Pro. Combining site, client, and project management, GoDaddy Pro is an all-in-one solution made by and for web professionals. Whether you're new to web design or looking to grow your business, you'll find free tools, products, guidance, and support to help you deliver results for clients. At the heart of GoDaddy Pro is the hub. From one intuitive dashboard, the hub seamlessly brings your sites, clients, and projects together. Manage and monitor all your clients' WordPress sites from a single place, no matter where they're hosted. With a single click, perform bulk updates, backups, security checks, and more to save time and free up your day. On top of all that, you'll find a thriving community of web designers and developers who share advice, insights, and learning opportunities. GoDaddy Pro is free to join. Head over to go.me forward slash ladybug to get started. Again, that's go.me forward slash ladybug. All right, so let's kick things off by talking about our experience with ebooks. Let's turn the page and talk about ebooks. Oh, Emma. Well, thank you for volunteering to go first. <laughs> um, so I actually have quite a bit of experience self-publishing ebooks. Uh, we will talk in a little bit about self-published versus publisher ebooks e or books in general. Um, but I only have experience with self-published ebooks. Uh, I wrote my first one, I would say around April or May of last year. It was called Decoding the Technical Interview Process. And to be honest, okay, I don't want this to sound conceited, but I do feel like me publishing my book and my financials like spurred this massive influx or outflow of people creating their own ebooks, and I love it. Yeah, it's I like feel you like everyone's something. publishing ebooks now. Yeah, because I think mine was one of the first that I had seen. I'm not saying it didn't exist, but mine was one of the first that I had seen from a developer publishing their own ebook and then like publishing their financials along with that. Yeah. Um. So that was my first one. I I also did a second one on blogging. It was like the beginner's guide to blogging. And I have published both of those myself and made an absorbent amount of money. We can talk more <laughs> about that later. I, I'm going to link my blog post in the in the show notes. I basically I made $40,000 off of my first ebook that was priced at $10. Uh, and if you want to learn more about the financials of that, you can go check it out. And that is my experience. What about so you? Allie? My experience is a little bit different. I wrote a free ebook and this was before most people were like on the ebook bandwagon. It was I think last fall, maybe fall of 20, I don't know. Years are hard. I'm really bad at date math. It was a while ago. Um, it was pre-pandemic, pre very much pre-pandemic. And so my thing behind that was that I wanted it to be free. So I did not make any money off of it. And the idea behind it was first that it would be good for the community and build my audience. The second thing behind it would be that it built my email list. So people had to give their email in order to get the book in return. And that in turn made it so that I built like an 11,000 person email list. It reached number four on product hunt for the day. A lot of people have read it and emailed about it and enjoyed it. So I, I think it was worth doing, but definitely very different than your both, which have been more, um, 
entrepreneur to make money off of, which is probably the the way to go. But we can talk about the decision making and why I did not uh, monetize mine. Then the other thing that I will talk about during this episode, this is behind the scenes is still in the very, very early process. And so I don't want to give any details whatsoever, but I'm actually currently working with a publisher on a book too. So we'll talk about all those decisions throughout this episode. Kelly, how about you? So first off, I do want to mention that um, I'm, I, I really want to dig into pricing and monetization uh, later because actually offering free ebooks in my space, like in the e-commerce space is super popular. So it is a really great lead gen tactic. Um, in terms of my book, so I published a book in June, uh, last year called Start Freelancing Today. And Emma very much told me to write a book. And so I did. <laughs> I think I, I think you asked me, you were like, would, would I, you be offended if I also published a new book? I'm like, why the heck would I be? Offended? You were like, please like, do it. Awesome. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I decided to announce that I was writing an ebook on freelancing in May and I gave myself a month to write and edit and launch it, um, which was kind of rushed, but I managed to get through it. And I have, um, again, we can talk about pricing and stuff a little bit later, but I've I've kind of sold my book at various price points. I also have an audiobook version of mine, and I sell a bundle of the ebook and the audiobook. So a bunch of things that we can kind of dig into there. Um, I have made a little over 31000 to date for that book. And I'm actually looking at printing a physical copy of the book. Next. That would be so fun. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm kind of jealous. I think that it'll be fun for us to discuss and it's not too late for you to print your book. I, I've been talking to other people who have printed, who have gone through the book printing process. Cause again, you can, I did, I self-published mine. Um, and you can also print your own copies of the books. Uh, my whole thing is that I just don't want to deal with shipping the book. That's so big. Becoming a distributor kind of. for anything. Is something <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. I I do not envy companies who ship their own products. That's a lot of work. Okay, so let's actually dig into a little deeper um, self-publishing versus going through a publisher. And I do not have any kind of experience working with a publisher. Um, I would love to work with a publisher at some point. I don't know what I would write. You know, if somebody wants to, like, you know, get my memoir or something, I'd hit me up. I'm totally open to doing that. Maybe in like five years so, when I have something to talk about though. I've been, and Allie can probably attest to this. I, I've been contacted by several um, companies to write a book with them. And my biggest deterrent was like the opportunity cost there just was not something that favored what I was looking to do at the time. So I, my personal opinion is like, it's a great career move. It's great to put on your resume, but you're not necessarily going to get rich off of the royalties, um, depending on whether or not you have your own audience. So, and this is going to be the same for like courses and, you know, other content as well. If you work with a large company or a well-known brand, that's a great resume move. Um, and it helps you build your audience. But in my experience, the royalty percentages and like whether or not they give you an advance or a bonus or whatever is not going to yeah. make you. So rich. let's talk about that. First off the advance. So the advance, some publishers give you before you actually write the book and it's 
kind of like a stipend so that I, I think in theory you could live off of that stipend though. I'm not sure that many people actually make a big enough stipend to actually live off of, but I think that's the idea behind it. So you actually have a payment upfront and then that money is taken away from the royalties when the book is released. And so the royalty is a percentage of the book selling that you actually make that income. Um, so I very much 100% agree. If I were writing a book to make a lot of money off of, I would self-publish. I would do an ebook by myself. I would use a payment platform and do all that. That being said, I have decided right now in my career, my biggest thing that I want to work on is establishing my credibility because I think that... I don't know. I, I get so worked up over the internet sometimes and people like acting like I'm some beginner, like who doesn't know what I'm talking about. And the tweets that I always get about that, it drives me up the freaking wall. And so for me, I mean, I, and it's like a self thing, like being able to work with a publisher and have them, um, give me that legitimacy, I guess, and have it reviewed and all that. That's, that's exciting to me. Um, the other piece behind it is I really like the accountability that somebody else is like there to make sure that you're actually writing things. They're proofreading it. They're handling the business side of everything. So that's really nice. Um, and that's why I've decided to go down that road. That being said, I will definitely do an ebook that costs money at some point. It's just I have to prioritize right now. And I think, again, the ebook is the best way to make money off of it. But if your goal is something different, like legitimacy, then maybe going with a publisher who has a big name could be the way to go. Yeah. And I think it's really easy to look at what I have done, what Kelly has done, what Florin Pop has done, what other... I hate this word, but like tech influencers, people with like several thousand followers on Twitter who have an audience to market to. It's easy to look at how much money we've made off of our books and think that it's going to be a get rich quick scheme for you. Just be aware that like, A, we already had audiences to market to. Um, B, it also depends on the type of content that you're producing. So if there is a high demand for the type of ebook you want to write, you're going to sell more. Um, But... Yeah. And we'll talk about pricing later. It also depends on how you're pricing this, whether or not you have different tiers to purchase from. Like when I did my blogging book, I had a basic tier that was like, I think it was priced at like maybe $15. And then the advanced or the top tier had all of my financial data from all of my blogs to date for an additional $10. And so the way that you price these things is going to play into that. But yeah, just be conscientious that while there's very little to no startup cost to publish your own ebook, um, the the amount of income you make is going to vary depending upon. For sure. And the amount of work involved is going to also be super variable too, depending on who you want to get it in front of and what is that's all going to look like. Like you may, if you have a smaller audience, want to buy something like Facebook ads or Twitter ads for your product. And so that's a cost right there. Um, and then you normally have to pay your payment processor as well. It's usually like a percentage and we'll talk about that. And then, um, paying for getting the, the, um, physical copy. If you have like an editor or something like that, you have to pay for that. Um, so there are costs that go into this. You could do it for free. You could do it for completely free, but usually it's going to end up costing more, um, or it's going to end up costing something to publish an ebook. Yeah. It all depends on the tools you end up using. And speaking of tools, let's jump into software that you can use to create an ebook. I think we all used different tools. Different, yeah. 
Yeah. So when I did mine, I used the Mac Pages application. It's just a native app that comes on your Mac uh, computer. And the interface was decently intuitive to use. I had some issues with it. Um, but that being said, <laughs> the exporting options, there was a lot of formatting issues with EPUB and Mobi. Mobi, I don't know how to say it, but um, those two formats like the formatting was just an absolute disaster. So the PDF version was like the only one that stayed in place. Um, so I will not be using the Pages app again. Canva is a really great option that I've used in the past, but I wouldn't recommend it for like 200 plus page ebooks. Like I think it's good if you're publishing like a 15 to 20 page ebook. Those are great. Um, and you can even use Canva to make other graphics for your ebooks and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that one for large ones. Um, and then the other two that I've worked with, well, first of all, the way that I write it is I write all of my copy in Google Docs. I think that's the easiest way to do it. Write your copy in Google Docs um, and use like the table of contents feature and everything. It, it works great. Um, and then migrate it into a platform. Uh, Caliber is an app I've used. It's not pretty. I'll tell you that right now, but it is actually a way to keep track of all the ebooks that you're publishing. Um, but my biggest recommendation, if you have the time, is to use MDX with Next.js. I'm working with the Egghead IO team. Um, there's a separate team that works on building courses like uh, Kent Dodd's Testing React, and they were working with Dan Abramov on, um, I don't know, some React course. They're working with me on my technical interview course, and they've built out uh, an entire app that allows us to write it and allows me to write in MDX and just run like a PDF command and it'll generate a brand new PDF with all the graphics and everything using Next.js. And it's absolutely awesome. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, kind of time consuming. Oh, to that yeah. to me sounds so nice though. The fact that you get to write it in Markdown because that's how I personally write blog posts. But I did the same actually or similar for my, my um, ebook. So I started off writing all the copy in Google Docs. And then I moved it out to Sketch, the design software, which is the worst thing that I could have done. I would not recommend that to my worst <laughs> enemy. It's impossible to edit it. They updated their software and it made it so that like my ebook is unformatted. And so I need to go back from scratch if I ever want to edit it. Like people have been like, there's a typo on page three. And I'm like, great. Um, that would take me like 20 hours of work to fix. So I'm just not going to. It's a free ebook you can deal. Um, it's an Easter yeah, egg. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I would not recommend that to anybody. I would not do that. Do not use... I mean, maybe there's plugins or something. Maybe I just did it the wrong way. But Sketch for me was not a, a great thing to use. But I did use Calibre too, or Caliber, as Emma pronounced it. I'm not sure what it is. I think it's... I always called it Calibre. Oh, okay. I called it Calibre. So it's probably Caliber. Um, <laughs> so that is really helpful for actually exporting to ebook formats because... I originally did PDF, which I think was fine, but people really want like the other ebook formats. Like, uh, I don't even know what they are. Um, like EPUB, I think. Mobby. Yeah. EPUB, and so yeah. I had to use Calibre to, or Caliber to, um, convert it. You know what other, like speaking of design tools, because Sketch is for prototyping, but yeah, to your point at first, I was like, maybe I should use Sketch. Um, Adobe InDesign is a tool that you can use to publish and design ebook, not published, but to design ebooks. Um, it's similar in nature to Sketch, where it is a design application. It's a little tricky to use. Um, and there are websites that interface with InDesign. I don't remember what they're what they're called. Um, 
One more thing I wanted to mention was Bookwrite. I haven't personally used it, but I have checked it out online. It looks really promising. I don't think you need to know Adobe InDesign because that was one of the barriers to entry for me looking at new applications. Um, but if you try it and you like it, let us know. Cool. So I wrote my book starting, I started on Google Docs and then I actually moved over to Microsoft Word for writing the book initially. And the reason why I did this is because I wanted to use their dictate. So I can just talk about the book and then go back and have my editor actually go through and make it make sense. Um, I think, I feel like this sped up the writing process for me significantly. Um, I did end up moving it over to pages. Like I just exported the doc file and imported it into pages for a little bit extra formatting for the PDF version. Um, I don't remember what I did for, I I must have, I think I went from just like Word to import it to Calibre to uh, export it for the proper um, EPUB Mobi files. Um, And then I also had to import it. I I also sell my book on Amazon um, for Kindle. And that was a whole separate process as well. But I'm, I pretty much wrote like 90% of my book and edited it in, in Microsoft Word. That's a good tip. You should definitely publish a post about like how you published for Kindle because I would actually be interested in that. Okay. Yeah, I could totally do that. It was um, an adventure. The text-to-speech is a really good mm-hmm. – uh, or the speech-to-text. I got that the wrong way around. is a really good tip as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to speak clearly, but the fact that I do so many podcasts has helped with my my dictation and cadence to actually have you know Microsoft Word pick up what I'm actually trying to say. For the most part, it, though? for the most part, <laughs> sometimes it like slips in some real weird things that I like most definitely didn't say, but technically is correct, like grammatically. So it didn't show up with like the red squiggly. And then my editor is going through and reading this. And she's like, OK, this is definitely not what you wanted to say here. This is extremely offensive, but <laughs> and you're like, no, no, I did mean I that. actually <laughs> just meant to tell everybody they're dumb. Like, yeah, <laughs> who knows? But yeah, I can totally do I can totally do some kind of blog post about uh publishing to KDP. I know people have opinions about selling on Amazon, but the reality is so many people own a Kindle and so many people want to read ebooks on their Kindle. So I wanted to make it accessible there too. Good tip. The other thing sure. just to say is that um, if you're interested in that speech to text idea, we use Otter AI to transcribe all of our podcast episodes. So that could be another option for text or speech to text. That is absolutely true. So um, let's talk about where to sell your ebook. So I mentioned, um, again, I think we all kind of took a different route to doing this. Um, I do sell mine on Amazon via KDP, which is, I think, Kindle Direct Publishing is what it stands for. Um, And I sell it on there for $9.99 as opposed to $10 because they actually like tier how much you can make based on the price you're selling the book for. And $10 pushes you to only get like 30% of it versus 60% of it is really dumb. So I priced it at $9.99 on there. I primarily sell my book through Shopify though, which I was basically told as a Shopify agency, if I don't use Shopify to sell my ebook, there are people who are going to come after me and scold me. So I decided to make them happy. Um, This is definitely a more hands-on approach to selling your book. But since I live in Shopify, it was pretty much, it was was an easy thing for me to do. Um, That's like if I created music and only put on Apple Music. Yeah. Yeah. So it's whatever. Um, 
So you'll need a digital downloads app in order to actually deliver the book. So digital downloads is a is an app that was built by Shopify. I believe it's free. Um, I personally use an app called SendOwl because you can re-upload the, the files and make sure they get delivered to everybody. It has like fraud check built in. So if Shopify flags an order that comes in, they're like, hey, I don't know if this is actually the person who was purchasing it. Uh, it doesn't automatically send them the book. You have to actually authorize them to get access to it. And it has some nice reporting in there too. So you can kind of see a breakdown of how the sales are coming in, change people's ad- email addresses if they, you know, change their address, whatever. Um the one thing to note about selling on Shopify is that as a business owner on Shopify, you do need to make sure you're managing your own taxes. And this is a conversation I have with merchants all the time, um, especially new ones. There is something... Okay, let's start with this. If you're based in the US, you need to look at what your state's uh, sales tax rules are, especially around selling digital content. Some states require you to charge sales tax for it. Others don't. And then if you plan on delivering that book internationally, you also have to deal with the tax and, um, wow, I am blanking on the word. That. Thank you. And like all the, di- the the different countries' varieties of that, which literally changes from country to country, whether in the EU, whether you're not, and then just like various countries. Everyone has their own rules. You have to register your business in those different countries as well. It is some work. Um, if you're going to go this route, please get a CPA to help you navigate the tax situation. Or just use a platform that takes care of that for or you, which is what that. I do. <laughs> yeah, this is important for me. I'm going to get screwed on my taxes this year, and I don't it keeps me awake at night. It's fine. Um, so I was previously using one popular platform to sell my ebook. I don't sell it there anymore, and I'm not going to even mention their name. I'm only going to mention the ones that I would recommend. Um, PayHip is the one that I'm currently using, and I absolutely love them. Uh, I pay a monthly fee, but it's very, it's pretty affordable. It's like maybe ten or fifteen dollars a month, and the UI is beautiful. The analytics are great. I love it. Um, Podia is another really great online platform from sell- for selling digital content, but it is much more expensive to host your content there. Um, but yeah, I'd still recommend it. Like if you're going to sell full-blown courses, I think Podia is a great way to go. Uh, and those are the... Uh, I actually checked out LeanPub as well when I was publishing. You can even make your eBooks in LeanPub, but to be honest, the UI is very unintuitive. Like their user... Their information architecture is a fucking mess. Um, and so I, I would always get confused. I think it's awful. I don't recommend this to beginners. If you know how to use it, fantastic. Uh, but those are my three. I can talk about two others. So ConvertKit. ConvertKit is who I use for emails. And they are kind of the one of the top of the line kind of email newsletter brands. They are really good at doing like automations and targeting certain audiences sequences. and sequences. They're a really great platform. And they actually now have a toolkit for processing payments and things too. So you can have a um, sales page through ConvertKit. And what's really nice is then your email list is integrated into how you sell the product. I think it's still in beta. I'm not 100% sure on that, but um, it is something that I know people are using. And I have been using ConvertKit for like two years for my email list. And they are really nice because they do like the forms for you too. So you can just have like a landing page that people sign up for your email list on. Um, it's how I did my free book as well. So 
it's this really nice automation. You just set it up to send the person a PDF as soon as they sign up for your email list. And there's not much more to it than that. So that's really nice. The other thing that I've been using recently for a different project is Stripe. And they have really nice um, APIs for payment processing. And so you could kind of create your own payment through that if you wanted to. I think one problem with Stripe, though, is that it doesn't work in a lot of countries, I think. Oh, really? If I'm not mistaken. Well, I don't know if that's just for people producing, like people looking to use it to sell things or if it's also for consumers. But I know this was a huge problem with Medium because people, they use Stripe to pay for Medium and a lot of people can't use it. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, it's it's depending on how they actually, like how credit card payments are accepted. There are certain countries that don't do credit cards. They only take debit cards or they only issue debit cards. And Stripe for some countries cannot actually take debit card payments for whatever reason. Um, also, keep in mind, if you're also going your own route and doing things through, via Stripe, you're going to have to handle taxes. Cool. As well. So I just looked at their site. If Stripe is supported in your country, then you can accept payments from anywhere in the world, but you have to be living in a country that Stripe accepts. So it's like United States, most of Europe, India, Australia, and Brazil, it looks like in this map. Um, so definitely not the whole okay. entire world, but if you want to like roll your own in a way that I think Stripe is the best known payment processor for that. Yeah. It's also worth noting, like if you wanted to sell your, if you want to build like a WordPress site, you can use easy digital downloads through WordPress and do the same thing. Um, you can use MailChimp for landing pages. You can even sell a via like, uh, um, Squarespace. Yeah. I mean, there are so many different options there as well. Just basically, if they, if they have e-commerce functionality, you can probably sell through them. Uh, these are just the ones that we have experience with or we know a little bit better of how it works. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about pricing. There are all kinds of different pricing strategies you can take to actually selling an ebook. Um, and this was something that I kind of battled with at the beginning because you know, when I'm buying a book from like a famous author, I'm usually paying no more than like $10 for it. And so for me to charge $20 for my first ebook is kind of like, are people actually going to buy this? Uh, And it turns out (laughs) that people do. And so I feel like technical ebooks or like niche specific ebooks have a very different pricing strategy compared to a lot of other situations. Not to mention a lot of these famous authors selling books or like via publishers uh, are usually selling at much higher volumes as well compared to, you know, most people selling their own ebooks. So I do want to mention that. I want to preface with that. So let's talk about some different pricing strategies you can take to actually selling your ebook. You had mentioned previously about like giving away free ebooks. Um, my take on that is you, I like, I agree, but it doesn't have to be a whole ebook. So, what I'm doing for mine is I have my full ebook, and the free portion of that is a five email sequence of things that are you could expect to find in the book. So, mine is all about the technical interview process. So, I have an email about uh, algorithms that goes through uh, a sorting and a searching algorithm with all the code and everything. And it says, if you want to see the rest of them, you can go buy the full ebook. Um, and I have one on big O notation as well. And I have some exercises in the email. So it's a free email course, a five email course. 
but it gives you a glimpse into what you can expect if you buy the full version. And I think that conversion is really smart. I don't think it needs to be a full ebook. But yeah, to your point, like giving away free content is the best way to build a relationship with your consumers. Yeah, for sure. I like it because having an email list is pretty much the most valuable thing you can have for marketing purposes. Um, just having that touch point with people because they're going to check their email and you don't have to rely on an algorithm as much as you do for social media. And so for me, building up like an 11,000 person email list through offering a free ebook that was like 40 pages or something like that. It wasn't huge by any means. Um, wasn't a novel. I think that that worked out really well for me personally. But again, like it depends on your goals, right? I've I think if your goal is to make money off of it, obviously don't make it free. But if your <laughs> goal is to uh, potentially build a list so that you can sell something else in the future, this would be a great strategy. Or if your goal is to just like give back to the community, that's another thing as well. So it really depends on your your goals. I agree. Um, okay, so... One of the things that I've seen others do is set the price of the ebook lower during a pre-sale and then increase the price to a higher amount at launch. Emma, didn't you do this? I did do this. And to be honest, it is a great way to make money. Um, it, <laughs> it it all goes down to like the, um, the scarcity principle. And not even – that's different. That's offering a set quantity. And once they're gone, they're gone. That's the scarcity principle. I don't know – what this principle of marketing is called, but it is definitely a tactic where like it's uh it's gonna expire after a certain time. Um so I only offered mine for a month and then after that month I took it off the market. Um slash the price is gonna go up. Yeah, I mean honestly it's a really great marketing tactic. Um I, to be fair, I also gave away a lot of free copies of my ebook as well to people who couldn't afford it. I think actually price uh you know one of the tips we have on here for pricing is to like buying power varies from country to country. We'll touch on that in a second. But for people who can't afford it, offering a discount code or get, donating copies to underrepresented um, people in tech or, you know, whatever it may be, those are really great because they show that you're not just in this for the, the money. Like you genuinely care about people. Yeah. So that's something that I actually did on my site. So a few things. I never changed the price of the book. It was always $20 for the ebook. Um, however, I added a discount code to my site that's permanently there 24-7. That's just basically, I, I say, you know, if you want the book, but you can't can't afford full, full price, use this discount code. I don't care who uses it. And I see, like, you know, as orders are continuing to come in, I can see how many people are using the discount code and how many people are not. I don't care one way or the other. I'm very, you know, fortunate to be in a position where I am able to not care because, it's additional, it's supplemental income. Um, but I feel like it's, it's definitely something that I am offering. Um, and then again, I offer a bundle as well. So if you want the ebook and the audiobook, it's $30 instead of $40. Yeah. That's the thing I was going to mention is add-ons with different features or different tiers is like, have like a base model. It's just the ebook. It's priced at a reasonable price. Um, and I think in general for an ebook, depending upon the length of it, like I priced mine at $10, which is I think too low and I've been told it was way too low, but I was doing this for the benefit of the community, et cetera. It really depends on like what you're you're aiming for. I think people generally will pay no more than like $30 for an ebook. 30 seems kind of high. I, I actually priced my 
blogging book at 30, but that included all of my financials. And then I think like the original book was just 15 or 20. Um, but when you get into digital content in terms of books, like, I don't know, I feel like I don't see a lot above 30. It kind of depends on like what you're getting and how much content it is. It better be a lot of content if you're paying more than 30. Yeah. I think the other thing that you can kind of do, and I don't know, you all thoughts about this, but I've seen people saying that you should market it as a course instead of an ebook if you want to charge a higher price for it. And then you can kind of change the formatting of it to be more course-like and have similar content and then put it at a higher price point. I've seen that advice. I don't know necessarily if that's... I think that's great yeah. if it truly is interactive. Because like if I, I'd be pissed if I paid like $50 for a quote unquote course and it was just a book basically. Yeah. <laughs> like I would <laughs> it's, it's DIY honest, PDF yeah. course. Yeah. To be, you need to remember the higher the price point, the higher the expectations. So if you're pricing it at $50, I would expect video courses i would expect um challenges i would expect like coding challenges with solution walkthrough like the higher the price the higher the expectations just be aware yeah, of that for sure yeah okay and now to touch on buying power purchasing power in a little bit more detail here it's important to understand exchange rates from one country to the next and what is twenty dollars usd is a lot more money in other countries and so you, if you want to have international reach for your book, it's really important to understand and, and recognize the fact that 20 US dollars is a lot of money in some countries. And that's why I offer the discount code uh, to, to kind of make up for that. Um, the other one that we don't actually have on this list is uh, just pay what you want. Yeah, those are you know great. What? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's another good one. I also know somebody who has been paying it like the first 10 people get it for this price. The next 100 people get it for X price. The next 1,000 people get it for this price, which is really interesting as well. And I don't know how that's worked out, but I've heard about it. The other one that I want to mention back to that course thing is that, um, do you all remember refactoring UI? Yeah. So they came out with a book, but they kind of branded it as more than a book. And I bought it. And the full thing is $149. So much more of a higher price point than we've been discussing. And they have a couple of bonuses to it, like uh, videos. And the videos come with the $79 version, but um, then the 149 has a bunch of like color palettes and fonts and things like that. So that's another way to kind of make your offering a little bit more bulky is to add something else to it. Maybe that's like site templates or that's, design guidelines or something along those lines, um, examples or a couple screencasts, and that can make it go for a much higher price point. Because we talked about 30, but like 79 for just an ebook with three additional video tutorials, that's a huge markup <laughs> compared to what we were discussing. So just wanted to put that out there too. Yeah. And um, one uh, one person I want to shout out is Nikima Profit. She is currently selling an ebook but what she's doing is increasing the price at different date intervals because she's releasing it chapter by chapter and so every time she releases the price is going to go up so it's similar to increasing after x amount of people but it's just increasing after a certain date well cool. that's fun all right so let's uh finish this with just some tips in general um my first tip is take your time i published, like I said, I basically gave myself a month to write and edit and prepare my ebook for launch. 
And that was a very ambitious deadline while I hit it. Um, I wish I had not rushed the process so much. So I did the same thing. I self-published and wrote and everything in 30 days, and I don't recommend it. Although, (laughs) to be fair, having accountability is a really great motivator, let me tell you. Oh, for sure. Like, announcing a launch date is great, but maybe give yourself more than one month to do the work. One of mine would be to display testimonials on your website. So once you have your book created, reach out to people in the industry that you respect. I recommend um, procuring a diverse list of testimonials as well so that people from all over the world, um, from all different backgrounds, are reading your content and can recommend it. It's going to resonate with a lot more consumers as well. Um, But yeah, get them to check it out, provide you a testimonial, and then add it to your website. Another one is to launch on Product Hunt. And this made it so that my book went way beyond my audience. So there are different checklists out there for doing a Product Hunt launch, but Product Hunt is essentially a website that you post products when they launch on there. And um, for me, I got number four of the day, which isn't like number one or anything like that, but it still made it so that a bunch of people saw it. And I got to be seen by people outside of the people that I normally speak to, like on my Twitter or whatever. So that's a that's a good one as well. Um, have people proofread your book before you publish. This goes beyond, especially if you, well, okay. I, I, I say get somebody to edit your book first. That's really helpful, but set, like actually have people proofread it, um, and be open to feedback. Honestly, like if, if, if your book kind of sucks and, and you're asking people who are going to give you like legitimate feedback, be open to that feedback as well. Yeah, one of my tips was to provide updates as you're writing the book. I did this on Twitter where I'd post screenshots. And to that point of getting feedback from your testimonials, get feedback from the public because they're the ones consuming it. And what I found is what looks good to me, turns out it's not accessible. Like my font was not readable or the color scheme is not accessible. So these are the kinds of things you don't think about actively. So getting feedback is very important. Another one is just from a business perspective, thinking about what you legally and financially should do in order to um, protect yourself, I guess. So I personally do everything under an LLC that I have founded, but this is not business or financial advice. Like go find your own people, I guess. But another thing that's been really helpful for me is having an accountant that manages all of the financial side for me because uh, that's something that's way beyond my knowledge and somebody else can do it better and save me a lot of money. So that's something that I'd highly recommend doing if you are making significant income from online stuff is to uh, get an LLC or get advice from an accountant on what to do. You know, what's really cool about that as well is if you're working under an LLC and you're selling your book under an LLC, you can actually open up another retirement account. Uh, let's say like a SEP IRA, for example, and put into retirement specifically from that account. So it kind of gives you like another retirement vehicle. Whoa. Cool. I didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah. I have three SEP IRAs <laughs> because I collect LLCs. <laughs> Gotta rack up those LLCs. Kind of along the same lines as like separating you know, this content out into a business entity, I recommend getting uh, like a business email. Uh, I have four emails. I don't want to talk about it. Maybe more. I, I, I'm an email hoarder like Kelly hoards LLCs. I also um, hoard emails. I just consolidated down to four. <laughs> yeah, it's stressful. But what I would say is more stressful is receiving business emails to your personal email and having to siphon through them. So I would recommend get a, a G. I like G Suite a lot. I 
yeah. will swear by them. I recommend getting a G Suite account with a custom Gmail. So like buy a domain name, get yourself like a hey at like our podcast accounts, hello at ladybug.dev. So get yourself a domain. You can get a business email and uh, separate work and, and personal. It's $6 a month through G Suite as well. So it's not a not a huge amount. Um, and also, I cannot express the number of emails I get soliciting work to my taproom email from people's Gmail accounts. And I'm going to be completely honest, I completely like I immediately discount people. No, they go to spam. Sending. A lot of them will go to yeah. spam if it's a Gmail account. I think it to some extent comes across like you're not taking it super seriously. Exactly. If you're coming from a Gmail. And I don't know if that's a rightful assumption or not. But I think that having the company name on there does make it feel a little bit more legit. Yeah. And touching on providing updates as you're writing the book, start building an email list. So you can also not only provide email or updates via Twitter or wherever else, you can actually continue to email your potential customers and keep them apprised on how you are, you know, proceeding with writing the book, get their feedback, get their input on what kind of things they want to see in the book. And yeah, I mean, I feel like once you launch, like we were ready to actually go live, you already have this audience built up to promote the book. I'm actually now using my email list for Start Freelancing Today for publishing blog posts and promoting those. Yeah. And speaking of promoting, I think one of the biggest things was creating, uh, I don't know what the term for this is. The longer I live abroad, the more I forget. (laughs) Um, But what is that called when like the month leading up, you're like hyping up your own content, like building hype? There is a technical term for it and I can't remember what it is, but um, we're going to call it building hype. Cool. Building hype. Um, If you have a launch date set, like you should be tweeting about it. You should be posting on Instagram stories. Like don't feel bad marketing your own stuff. You're going to lose probably some followers in the process because that's just turnover. Um, But you will also gain a lot more. Yeah. One other thing is that we've talked about a couple of things that will cost some money. So buying a domain, getting your email list. Um, Usually email providers cost a decent amount of money per month, depending on what one you use. Um, like tiny letter doesn't cost very, or tiny letter is free. But the problem is once you get over a couple thousand subscribers, you have to move off of it. And it's a really painful process. So most email providers are going to charge you. Um, also the payment service provider that we have been talking about, like Shopify and and all those, they have charges per month as well. Um, if you have an LLC or something like that, you can write those off as business expenses. So your tax is going to be, I, th- I believe, non-existent on it, right, Kelly? No, you're still going to pay taxes on okay. it. Okay, it's not a. It's unless you're spending more money than you're making, you're not going to have losses. Um, so I mean, you're still going to pay taxes on. It, it's not a full write-off. It's not a. It's full a. Write-off. It's a deduction. Okay. It's not a write-off. It's- There you go. You know this better than I do. But you do (laughs) save money if you write things off as business expenses. I'll never forget that there was a business owner a few years ago who was telling me about how she was going to buy herself a new MacBook Pro when she had just bought one the previous year, being like, yeah, well, it's a a write-off. I'm like... Or she was like, yeah, I could just write it off on my taxes. And like, it's a deduction on your taxes. You own the business. You're still paying for that MacBook. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's not... Yeah. I'm just mentioning this because it does make these things a little bit less expensive than um, yeah. it might seem. Also, your accountant is a business expense as well. 
If you're starting out creating an email list, I recommend MailChimp. It's super intuitive. It's much cheaper than ConvertKit, at least in the beginning. ConvertKit is super duper powerful. And I personally don't think you need it until you're ready to really expand and create sequences and automations. Um, But MailChimp is a great place to start and it's much cheaper. Completely agree. And you can also build landing pages on MailChimp. And you can also actually MailChimp has e-commerce integration as well. So you can use it for everything if you really want to. Okay, let's round this out with shout outs. Uh, Emma, do you want to go first? Yeah. So um, I started taking Swedish lessons, uh, which was why I was overly enthusiastic. My yeah. Um, so this will be my fourth language and I'm really excited about it, but I'm not excited to lose my German and my French. So yay. Shout out to learning the same language that of the country I live in. That's fun. Learning so many languages must be fun. I, I think about getting a Spanish tutor because my, my Spanish is like the amount of Spanish I know is stressful. So I want to fix it. Yeah, that. but I just think, and well, you have a Spanish-speaking mother, but unless you have a, like a language-speaking parent or someone in yeah. your life or you live in a country, it's really hard to keep up with it. For sure. Uh, Allie, what is your shout out? I've been doing some clubhouse chats the last couple of weeks, and it's not perfect by any means. There are definitely issues with it, but I've been having a lot of fun with it. And I really like that it allows you to have almost a decentralized conversation. Like you can ask anybody to come up. So it's a little bit less unidirectional than a lot of social media. And the other nice thing is that usually for streaming and stuff, you have to get all ready and like look decent for video and you don't have to do that for this. So Big I've been having not wearing it. pants when on yeah. Clubhouse. I agree. Um, my shout out is for a company called Our Place. Um, it's from ourplace.com. I got their pan for Christmas and I am obsessed with it. Um, it cleans so easily. You don't have to use like a ton of olive oil when you're cooking. It has oh, like a built-in kind of stand, right? It has like a built-in kind of thing for, and it gives you like a, like a, 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 a utensil to use for it. Um, it comes with a steamer. It's, I, I love it. I got the one in Sage. I want one. So highly. Can you you personally ship me one because they don't ship to Sweden? I can do that. (laughs) It's going to cost forever. It's It's going to cost cost forever. forever. I mean, it probably will cost forever. Maybe I should take English lessons. (laughs) Cool. Well, that rounds out our ebooks episodes. So if you like this episode, tweet about it. We will be selecting one tweeter to win one of our ebooks this week. Uh, you get to pick and choose which one you would like. Uh, we post new podcasts every Monday, so make sure you subscribe to be notified. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel. Um, did we ever get the youtube.com slash ladybug podcast username? We needed to hit a certain number of followers at like 100. And I don't know if we had reserved that. Okay, well, fingers crossed that it's youtube.com slash ladybug podcast, uh, because that would be really nice now that I said it on a podcast. Uh, and please leave us a review. Reviews make us really happy, and we like reading them. So that's that's it for this week. This is a podcast.